Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey Life Church, thank you for joining us again today. We're on week 17 of our series called Wake Up the House. And today, um, what I hope will happen inside of you is the desire to wake up towards becoming a mature believer in Christ. The goal of the church, according to Paul in Colossians chapter 1, he says, says these words, chapter, uh, verse 28 and 29. He says, We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I labor. That is my desire also. Paul is saying, my goal, my goal in ministry for the church of Colossae, my goal in ministry for the church of life church, for everyone is to present you complete in Christ. Now the word complete means mature. Mature. God's goal is your spiritual maturity. God wants you to be spiritually mature. And, and that is not how much Bible you know, or how much Bible you can quote, or well you pray out loud, how religious you look. I think for many of us, we don't know what spiritual maturity is, and I hope to clarify some of it today. But if maturity is not being emphasized, if spiritual growth is being marginalized, if we become simply satisfied with how many people are in the seats regardless of their spiritual age, of their spiritual maturity, we have failed as a church and we have failed as a ministry and we have failed as church leaders. I believe that God measures the success of a ministry by the maturing of the people who are in that ministry. Paul says, I labor for maturity. Life Church, I want you to hear me. I labor for your maturity. That is my desire. I am working with the goal to have you stand as mature believers in Christ in this world. That's why I want to wake up the house. I want you to wake up towards growing in your relationship with Christ. I'm preaching this to get you to a place where you can stand strong and be stable in your faith. So that when the world looks at us as the church, they can see our security in God and that security only comes with our maturity. The world needs mature Christians. The church needs mature Christians, not just regular church attenders. Now, it's good to attend church regularly, but there has to be growth and change has to take place in your life. Or we, again, I want to say as the pastors and the preachers and the people who bring the message in God's word, if there's no change and growth, it means that we have failed in some capacity. Now, Paul, Paul is complaining to the church of Corinth. Not because he's mad at them because they didn't do what he said, but because he knows they are missing out on their kingdom purpose. This is why Paul is upset. He, his desire is for them to experience everything that God has for them. So he says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1, he says, Brethren, so they are Christians. He's not talking to, to people who haven't accepted Christ yet. He's saying, Brethren, I can't speak to you as spiritual but as men of flesh, as infants in Christ, you are still babies. He says, I want, I want to take you somewhere 
but you refuse to grow up. In this life, do you know that there are things that, that grown-ups can do that kids can't? It's the same in the spiritual world. I want you to experience everything that God has for you, but it requires maturity. Now, let me explain something about Paul um, writing to the book of Corinth. So Paul went to Corinth in approximately 50 AD, and he wrote the book to Corinthians, the Corinthian church, in approximately 55 AD. So, so that's five years. Paul says to the church of Corinth, he says, it's five years. Guys, it's five years. You ought to be mature. If you are a five-year-old Christian, five years is all you need to move from spiritual infancy, being a baby, to a basic spiritual maturity. Now, he also writes the following. He says, but the natural man, the carnal man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So carnality, he's saying carnality, let me define it for you this way. Um, it is the spiritual state where a Christian, a believer in God, knowingly and persistently lives to please self rather than pleasing Christ. That's carnality. In other words, living for Christ, glorifying Christ, representing Christ is not your goal. Now, you want him to take care of you, yes. And you want God's blessings and God's favor and, and God's grace and you want salvation and you have all the scriptures on your, your, um, your fridge magnets. They all set up. But your goal is not to do things his way. Pleasing him is not your goal. And what Paul says is, he says, that makes you fleshly. That means you are a carnal Christian. Now, I want you to evaluate your own life right there where you're sitting now. A carnal Christian is like a natural man that his desire is just to do things his way. His desire is not to please Christ in everything he's doing. He says, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. A natural man can't understand spiritual things because they're non-Christian. But he says a carnal Christian, they're a Christian, but they are acting like a natural man. Are you a carnal Christian in your actions? You are the only one that can answer that. They are, you are on your way to heaven. They are on their way to heaven. But while they are on earth, they don't understand spiritual things and they are not experiencing everything that God has for them. They don't have a spiritual perspective of life and on life. They have a human perspective on life. That's carnality because of, ref of a refusal to grow. So, so let me say, say that again, just to, to be clear on this. And this is, you are the only one that can evaluate where you are at. If you've been saved for five years or more, this is what Paul says. If you've been saved for five years or more and you are not spiritually, where you look at life through God's lens as a normal way to operate. If you are not looking at life that way, Paul says you are still a spiritual infant. You are still a baby. If you don't look at how you're going to handle or tackle the issues of life, if your first go-to isn't God's way, 
you are still a carnal Christian. You are a baby. You are a fleshly believer who is missing out on the spiritual experience that God has for you because you are not operating in God's ways. Now, I'm not saying this to offend any of you or to hurt you um, or to, to um, make you feel less of a believer, but, but I'm saying this because growth is required from all of us. Now, unfortunately, we not only have carnal Christians today, but we also have carnal churches because the church isn't operating with the focus of bringing believers towards maturity. Some churches, unfortunately, their, their goal isn't maturity. Their goal is entertainment. Or their goal may be money. Their goal may be notoriety or fame or book deals or followers. But the goal of maturity is not their goal. And and. I want a church that has the desire and the fruit of mature believers. Do we want the church to grow? Is it about numbers? Do I want life church to grow? Yes, I want to see God's kingdom expand, but I want every person that gets added to life church to grow in their maturity. Do we need finances in the church? Yes, we do. Because without finances, we can't operate. Do we need to have a service where people don't fall asleep? Yes, we do. But we don't compromise in entertainment with content. It has to be God's word that's preached towards people that are challenging them towards maturity. Do we need worship that sounds, look, uh, sounds good and looks good and helps people to focus their attention toward God? Yes, we desire to have excellent worship. Is it about fame? No. Is it about how many followers? No. Is it about how many books I've sold? No. Our role as pastors and leaders in the church is to help believers become mature in their relationship with God. Let's go a little bit deeper. Hebrews 5.11. And, and just a word to all the pastors that write books and, and, and are doing really well with them. I honor you. I respect you. I'm not saying because you are an author that you don't have the right attitude. I'm saying, unfortunately, there are those in the church that have missed the goal. And the goal is to get people towards spiritual maturity. So I just want to honor all the pastors. I love you. I honor you. I respect you. Now, Hebrews 5.11, he says the following. Concerning him... And he's talking about Melchizedek. We have much to say about this. He's got much to say about Melchizedek. If you want to read more about Melchizedek, go read Hebrews 5. Um, but it's hard to make clear to you because you no longer try to understand. You are no longer trying to learn. You're no longer trying to, to, to grow. Now, the book of Hebrews was written 30 years after Jesus died and rose. So some of the Christians... They have been saved for 30 years in Corinth, five years. In Hebrews, 30 years. In Hebrews, some Christians, 30 years. And he says, you've been saved for 30 years and you are still dull of hearing. Now, the Greek word for dull of hearing means you are mule-headed. You are stubborn. You don't ex accept God's truth as truth and you choose your opinion as truth instead. He continues, he says, for by this time, by this point, 
You've been saved long enough for us to not have to go through all of this again. It says, for by this time, some of you saved for 30 years, you are to be teachers. I want to say to you, listening to this message, I don't know how long you've been saved. I don't know how long you've had a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what Paul is saying to, to the believers here is he's saying, listen, guys, you've been in the church for 30 years. By this time, you ought to be teaching someone else. You've been saved long enough to help somebody else. Have you helped others in your faith and in your work and in your walk and in their relationship? Have, have you been there to, to train them up, to help them? This is what Paul is saying about what makes us mature believers. It's not simply consuming, consuming, consuming. We have to get to a place where we are contributing to the body of Christ. He continues on, he says, but you have need again for somebody to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. So he says, listen, you've been in church for 30 years and every Sunday you just come back and you just want another nice fluffy message. You just want to hear another good message that makes me feel good. Just give me another feel good message, pastor. That's all I want. Every day, no, every Sunday you come back, you sit in your same seat. He says, now, now, you are like an infant that needs milk. Now, who needs milk? A baby. He said, we should be past that already. A baby feeds on milk because he's an infant. He said, not only can you not teach, we need to take you back to the ABCs. He said, it's as if you've been sitting under the teaching of God for 30 years, and we have to start all over again. Humpty Dumpty sat in the... Mary had a little... Had three blind mice. One, two, three. I have a six-year-old. I'm going through all of that right now. He calls them elementary principles. We need to take you back to spiritual kindergarten because you've refused to grow spiritually. And, and you're going to see what the proof for maturity is. And you are the only one that can evaluate. Listen, is it time to wake up the house and to start growing? He goes on and he says in verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching of righteousness. The teaching about righteousness. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. He says that the problem with infants, with the immature, is that they are not accustomed to the word of righteousness. The teaching about right, they are not accustomed to it. They haven't become acquainted to it. Here's what keeps you a baby. You are not applying the word of God to address the issues of your life. A baby won't grow just by watching mama have milk. They've got to use it, they have to ingest it for it to cause growth to occur. The thing that keeps you a baby is you don't use the word of righteousness. He, he says, solid food is for the mature, for the people who have their senses trained. Notice that, their senses, they are trained. So the proof of maturity, here it is, it is your ability to discern. Your ability to discern, that is your ability to look at things through spiritual eyes, not just through physical eyes, and it makes a difference between milk and he calls the other one solid food. He says there's a difference between these two. He says, milk, he says, you need the elementary principles of the word of God. Meat, he says, you have the ability to discern. Okay, so you, you're not a meat Christian because you carry a Bible. 
You're not a meat Christian because you can quote verses and you know a whole bunch of hymns. You're not a meat Christian because you've been in church for 50 years. That doesn't make you mature. You are a meat Christian because your spiritual antenna can discern things spiritually. You are applying the appropriate act of righteousness in the right situation at the right time. You are applying the right standing with God, meaning I'm going to be aligned with how He would do things in situations to your life. You can discern things spiritually. You eat from the tree of life, not just from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Let me help you grab the difference between milk and meat or solid food. Here's milk. I want you to, again, I want to say I, want, I love all of you. And my desire for every single one of you listening to this message is to stir up in you the desire to become mature in your faith. No longer settle for being a baby in Christ. God wants you to grow up. And there's tremendous blessing with growing up and with maturity. So here's milk. Milk is what Jesus taught on earth and what Jesus did on earth that's recorded in the Bible. That's milk. What did Jesus teach me and what did Jesus do? You are a milk Christian simply by learning what God says and learning about what Jesus did. That makes you a milk Christian. Learning about Jesus makes you a milk Christian. You can read the Bible, study the Bible, and that gives you milk. So you're a milk Christian. Now, a meat Christian doesn't just know what it says in the Bible. Doesn't just know what Jesus said and what Jesus is saying, but he uses what is said to make his life's decisions. That is the meat. You study the Bible, so you're drinking milk, but your actions are from a heavenly perspective because you're doing things his way, even when it don't make sense, now that's meat. That means you are going to mature in your faith because you are applying what Jesus said to your everyday life. You got steak now. I was served some, some um, um, steak, that, that kind of steak that they, where they feed the cow's beer and it's the most uh, tasty steak I've ever had in my, in my life. Solid food. I cannot eat steak as a believer if I don't apply the principles. And God said, I've got so much more for you. I've got so much solid food for you. You study the Bible to get the content. You operate spiritually to utilize the content. That is a mature believer. Study it to get the content. I'm going to operate spiritually to utilize the content that I've just studied. Because the Bible tells you what Jesus did and what he said on earth. The meat means you are operating from what he's doing now in heaven. And, I, and I'll show you in a moment. Um, so, so it is for you to use. You have to practice using God's ways in your life. We have to practice using his ways. It's not just on paper. Many of us agree with the word and we say amen on Sundays. You might have said hallelujah during this message by now, hopefully. You say amen to the word, but when it comes to choosing our actions, <laughs> Then at that moment, ah, we're just going to go back to doing things our way. But you just said amen to the word. That means that you're remaining a baby. 
A mature believer says amen and acts appropriately. It's kind of like a hockey team or many team sports. I, I like using hockey because my, my son is active and my daughters are, are playing hockey. So a hockey team, the higher the level goes, the more intense it gets. But our hockey team, um, in preseason, they, they go to the training rooms. They, they go to practice ice. Uh, and in the training rooms, they are divided into forwards, defense, goalies, um, and they receive a playbook. The playbook is given so that they can learn the plays for the team, so that everybody can be on the same page. There's a defense playbook, a forwards playbook. Um, there's a power play, and then there are penalty kills and so forth. So right now, all of you who are listening to this word, you are sitting in the training room. You are busy learning the plays. But then, like in hockey, they go to the ice to practice the plays that they've just learned. And on the ice, they practice the plays. And in the book, they learn about hitting and they learn about the contact and what they should do when contact happens. But you can talk about hitting and contact as much as you like. But until you've experienced it, you really don't know if you know the play and the outcome of what's going to happen when hitting and contacts starts taking place. But the only way you will know that you know the play is while you are on the ice. So what God does for you to see whether you really understand the play, the, the settings in life, the things that you are saying amen to. God puts you on the field of life where you have to make decisions. And when he puts you on the field of life through trials and troubles and difficulties and challenges and successes and victories and fame and fortune, do you run to God's word? Do you run to God's perspective? Are you going to God's playbook? Do you act on what he says or do you go back to your own human ways of doing, the secular way of doing, the non-Christian way of doing it? It means you're going to have to say in life, how does God say we should raise our children? The Bible says, train them up in the ways of the Lord and they will not depart from it. Which means sometimes you will say no as a parent. Which means sometimes you will be inconvenienced because you chose to drive. You chose to be involved in their lives. And it's going to take some of your time and some of your resources. And sometimes it means that you are going to check up on their conversations and see what they're doing. Why? Because you, 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 you want to control them? No, because you love them. How does God say what does he say? What should my conduct be as a husband? We spoke about this. He said, I have to, to take up the responsibility to be the leader in the home, to train up my children in God's ways. I have to love my wife, even when she doesn't love me back. I am not to, to respond just on her return of my love. I am to respond based on what God says I am accountable for, which is to love her. Husbands, it means you will serve and honor her and you will show that honor and that respect in front of your kids to her. Husbands, respect and adore her. Husbands, it doesn't just help saying amen and not acting on it. The proof is in your actions, yours, not hers. How does God say to the wives, how should you be a good wife? What are, what are the actions of a good wife? You will honor and respect your husband because 
They are already showing you the love. Husbands, I'm speaking in faith. You're already acting out what God said you should do as a husband. So they're already showing you love. But even if they don't, God says, honor and respect them. God's word of righteousness, right standing with him is take up your responsibility. Start acting on what the word says. Wives, you are called to action. You are called to live differently than the world and your girlfriends in the world. How does God say I I should operate in a secular environment? What does God say about it? God says love your neighbor as you love yourself. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't allow greed and jealousy to steer your decision making. Forget about the Joneses. Be generous. Be kind. Be loving. What does God say ought to be my first question? Not the one I run to after I've tried everything else. That is a mature believer. What does God say about the situation? He says, it's time to grow up and become mature. I really believe, like Paul says, it's time for us to mature. Church, it's time for us to grow up and become mature. You've been an infant for far too long. The church in Canada has been an infant church, mega churches and all. It doesn't matter if you have 5,000 babies running around. They are useless. What will happen if you decide to be mature? What will it mean for you? And what will it mean for me? Meaning you are applying God's principles in your life. I want to show you. I love what Bill Johnson says. um, And applying God's principles on all areas in life. Bill Johnson says the following regarding giving. And about finance. He said, finances is the kindergarten for believers. Because it shows who is Lord in their life. Are you scared to apply God's financial principles to your life? It's the kindergarten for believers. Who do you worship? Who do you trust more? So when we start applying God's principles, the first thing that happens is you'll now be able to pick up on spiritual signals because that is where God operates. God operates in his principles. I remember as a kid, um, whenever we went on holiday, we would pack our TV. Now, this is many years ago. We would pack our TV and the rabbit ears. So that we can get two channels when we're on holiday. And they were the only two that were available. But here's the problem. The rabbit ears are of no use if there is no signal being broadcasted. I have to be within the range of the signal. When you are outside of God's principles, don't expect a signal. There is no signal outside of His ways. There will be indicator lights Challenging you to go back to his ways. And when you are in his ways, when you are in doing things God's way, the Holy Spirit will be able to bring God's thoughts to your mind. That's what God does with spiritual people, with mature believers. It's like listening to the national news and local news. Right now, I'm preaching the national news to all of you. You know the national news. You get things that are happening all over the place. It's like God's words preaching to you now. I just touched on husbands. I touched on wives. I touched on business. I touched on finances. It's national news. It's information. But you need local news. Like if I live in in Delta, BC, knowing the weather in Namibia won't help me to determine what I'm to wear outside today. Local news is relevant news to you specifically. And you need relevant information to direct your life. 
preaching national news. But now you are in a relationship with God and you start applying his principles because you are desiring to mature and grow. And what happens is the Holy Spirit makes the information that was general, personal, and relevant. When you are mature, God can now talk to you, bring thoughts to your minds, ideas into your minds, let you see things behind the scene that couldn't be seen with your physical eyes. But he'll let you in on some secret stuff because he can now speak to your mind because you are now picking up the signals you couldn't pick up before. Why? Because I am in God's ways of doing things. I don't, even, I don't just know about them. I'm acting in them because I'm growing spiritually. I'm picking up his signals. You'll be able to distinguish between fake and real. Now, here's the big one, and I'm going to finish with this. He says in uh, Hebrews 11, uh, 5 verse 11, he says, Concerning him, I have much to say. We have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. I want to talk to you, but you are not listening, is what he's saying. It's like, uh, uh, in the beginning, you were eager to grow, but you, you're not desiring to grow anymore. So I'm going to tell you now, because this is my desire for our church. Paul said, I want to tell you stuff, but you, you don't want to learn right now. So he didn't go much deeper. But I want to tell you because my desire for you is to grow. So let's back up to verse 5. In verse 5, he says the following. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So just before this, the author is saying, I want to share some things with you, but you don't have a desire to, to, to grow more. And he wants to talk about Melchizedek. He says, I want to tell you about Melchizedek and the Melchizedekian priesthood. But you ain't ready for this. Now, I'm going to tell you about it because, because I know many of you are ready for this. And I hope this creates in you a desire for maturity. Now, to understand what Jesus is for us today, he says, if you understand Melchizedek, it'll help you to understand Jesus today. So who is Melchizedek? And why does he matter? In Genesis chapter 14, Abraham has been involved in a battle. He's been in a fight. And he comes back from the battle. And he comes back in verse 18 and he says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine. Bread and wine, that sounds like a minion, doesn't it? Um, he brought bread and wine. Now, he was a priest of God most high. God most high. El Elyon. El Elyon means God who overrules. So he is a priest of the God who overrules. So Melchizedek is a high priest of the God Messiah. But he's also the king of Salem. Salem means peace. So he is a king. And then Melchizedek, it said, he blessed Abraham. He said, blessed be Abraham of God Most High, God who overrules. Now, what did Melchizedek do? Let's think about this again. He blessed Abraham. So Melchizedek is a priest who brings blessing to Abraham. Now guess what the Bible says about you and me. It says we are the seed of Abraham. And Jesus is in the Melchizedekian priesthood. So after this happened, it says that Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all. He brought a tithe. So Abraham has been in a fight. 
He's been in a battle and the God of the Most High has given him victory. And when he comes back, he meets Melchizedek, a high priest that blesses him, that gives him bread and wine because he's been in a fight. And what you will see if you continue on reading, you will see that Abraham is going into another fight right after this with the king of Sodom. So he left one fight, he's going into another fight, and between the two fights, he runs into Melchizedek, the high priest, that brings him blessing, that gives him bread and wine, that strengthens him, that causes him to be ready for another fight that coming, that's coming his way. If you are a mature Christian, that means last week you were in a fight. I didn't say you are looking for a fight with people. See, see you're not a serious Christian, a mature Christian. If you are not in a battle... You are not a mature Christian. You're just going along with the crowd then. But if you stand up for Jesus, you are going to run into some fights. Sometimes it might be with your family members. Sometimes maybe with a neighbor. But there will be things that you will be challenged with on a daily basis because you are choosing to do things God's way. If you are a mature Christian, that means last week you were in a fight. Choosing to do, not just to hear about God's ways, but choosing to do things God's way. That means you were in a fight. See, if you are a baby Christian, you ain't in no fight because nobody's rejecting you. Nobody's against you. Just hearing about Jesus, but not acting like him won't cause anybody to stand up against you. Last week you were in a fight, but now this week it says you are going to come into another fight. You don't know exactly what it is yet, but it's coming. And it's not because you're looking for a fight. But it's because you are not the same as this world. So between last week's fight and this week's fight, you need some bread and wine. You need to be refreshed. You need to be empowered. You need to be strengthened with the blessings of God to help you deal with what it looks like when you're a mature Christian. He says, I want to tell you about Melchizedek. Why? Because Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. How? Because he brings to us the strength for our spiritual living in the fight of the secular society by the bread and the wine of his communion with us so that we can go and fight and watch him overrule whatever the enemy says is going on. Our God overrules. But it's only when you are a mature Christian walking things out God's way that El Elyon becomes involved in your life. The reason why you want to be a mature saint is because that means your circumstances don't have the final decision, but your God has the final decision. Your boss doesn't have the final decision. The situation and the culture doesn't have the final decision because you belong to the mature saints of God. And under the priesthood of Christ, who's after the order of Melchizedek, who can meet you in the battles of life, he meets you between the battles. He gives you the strength. He gives you the healing. He gives you the wisdom, the reminders you need. But it only happens to those who are mature in Christ. Not for those who simply know about it, but for those who act on what he says. I hope this challenges you to not be content with simply knowing about Christ, but have the desire to mature by acting out what God says in His Word. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for every single person that's hearing this Word. I pray that Your Spirit will inspire them right now. There can be things that they can do right now that You are speaking to them right now. 
about acting on your word. If it's in regards to forgiveness, Father, let them call up the people and forgive. It's about offense, Father. Let them not hold offense, but let them bring reconciliation. Father, if it's about being generous to those around them, Father, bring the generosity forth. Let them cook a meal. Let them bless their neighbor. Let them start acting out what you say in regards to generosity. If it's about praying for the sick, I pray that they will have the boldness to lay their hands on the sick and to believe for recovery and complete healing. Father, I pray for faith to stir up so that we will do things your way. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, and we hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.